nutrition, gut health, mental health, hormones, and so much more. These all play roles in sustainable weight management. So, I scour the globe for top experts in fitness, health, and weight loss to bring to you this podcast. So take a seat and enjoy the ride. So, so, so welcome back to the Matter of a Mind Experience. I'm your host, Master Trainer and Weight Management Expert, Narado Zico Powell. And today, I have a world leader for you, Dr. Rand McLean. He is a leader in cutting-edge longevity therapies and innovative anti-aging solutions. So get ready for this one because he's going to give us some age-old wisdom. Dr. McLean been doing this for a while, so he knows stuff I don't know. So if I wasn't recording the podcast, I'd have to take out a notepad. I guess I have to take out my notepad after I'm listening to the episode, right? Because he's going to teach us some stuff. And of course... I never disappoint. I have a hack of the episode for you. And is what are some things we can do to live better, not just live longer? You hear that? Not just live longer, because I don't want to be 80, 90 years old in diapers. No, no, no. I want to be a total badass at life. And he's going to teach us some of the tricks to get that done. And with that being said, let's welcome Dr. McLean to the show. Hey, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Zico. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm actually feeling a bit better now. I just played a little bit, uh, a little bit of reggae for you, and we talked about Red Stripe and you know the, uh, my Jamaican culture. So you know, put me in a good mood. Put me in a good mood, even me though you too. know I'm not drinking Red Stripe. But that's a different conversation. <laughs> that could be fixed pretty quickly, though. <laughs> <laughs> and with some protein in it, maybe I'll drink it. Now, with that being said, tell us about yourself, bud. Uh, I was just going to add, uh, we could, we could eat the protein first and jerk chicken and then follow it with that. Yeah. That's what they call a complete meal, right? Uh, yes, sir. That and some pigeon peas, pigeon peas, <laughs> right. Um, well, I mean, you know, not too much to tell about me. That's probably, uh, unique from other doctors, except that I started kind of later. Uh, I picked it up when, uh, I was about 37. I started the journey. I was telling you before the show, I had to start you know, all over again, because I had to take a lot of the prerequisites. And I got over the CSUN to do that when I was out here in California. So I've been going back and doing my chemistry 101 and 102 physics, biology, that sort of thing. But I think it gave me a different perspective. When I was going through it, you know, having maybe even suffered a lot of the ailments that I got to learn about and see in the hospitals, myself and amongst friends. So, you know, maybe a different slant on things was achieved from that. And then, of course, Living that long, by then I had had a lot of injuries. Uh, I'm an avid sports guy. Um, that's why it's sports and regenerative medicine. That's what I practice. So that helped too, because I had some personal experience, uh, obviously not all good with those injuries. And, and it was helpful to help me, I guess, just learn it again from a different angle and maybe in a, in a better way, help, certainly help to remember it because it certainly hit a home uh, and reminded me of some of the things I went through. And, um, you know, other than that, it, it's always been a passion. So I, I like to think that most doctors do it because of, of a passion for medicine. But 
for me, it started really early with, with mom, uh, being a nutritionist before there were even nutritionists, you know, she was, she used to feed us uh, wheat germ pancakes and, uh, you know, we, we, we managed to eat them despite how gross they sound. Uh, but I think, uh, you know, it, it really sparked an interest in what nutrition, good nutrition can do for us. So, you know, maybe, maybe that's a little bit different, uh, story about me, but everything else is, you know, I had to go through all the same programs as everyone else and, you know, to get, to get my license and, you know, follow the same rules and, and, uh, put in the hard work. See everyone. He's being humble. He's being humble. See, now I have to, now he's going to make me work really hard to like pull it out of him. but you know what? I'm up to the task. I'm up to the task. <laughs> so, but something you said that got on, got to me though, about your, your grandparents and your parents, when everything that I do, is rooted in three things ancestral living scientific studies and anecdotal evidence and the reason why is because if you drink the night before and you wake up the next day you didn't sleep well you feel terrible that's the sign that you did something wrong if you slept well if you're eating better you're going to feel better so you have to take that into consideration the next thing is that you can, and you know this doctor, you can find science that says honey nut Cheerios is good for your heart healthy, right? So, you know, you can't just take just science on its face value. But then the anecdotal piece, not sorry, the, the ancestral piece is the part that I'm really going to get on because a lot of the things that we do now is what my grandparents and great grandparents used to do. You know, and, you know, it's like, it's like everything is coming back full circle. They used to make me drink these disgusting teas all the time, bitters. And you know how good bitters is for your gut. And now we're talking about bitter this and bitter teas. We, we've been drinking those. They've been drinking those forever. And then we stop because it's old timey stuff. Right. And, you know, they had us, you know, detox and cleanse ourselves. Now everybody's talking about detox. Growing up, I had to take what we called it washout in Jamaica once to twice a year. It was required. It was disgusting as nothing else, but I had to do it. We stopped doing it as we get older because, oh, they're old people. They don't know what they're talking about. And now we're doing what they did, right? So if you're in an earshot of me, just listen. Is there anything that you maybe learned from your parents or your grandparents that you might have thought didn't make any sense? And now you're looking back at it and I say, hmm, they might have known something that we didn't really figure out, right? So just, just food for thought. Absolutely. The ancestral part I bring up, I just brought it up with two patients before we got to this podcast. You know, it, it's uh, it's part of our genes, uh, you know, what you've been eating ancestrally for the last, you know, several generations. And, you know, once you come to America, of course, everyone's subjected to the the standard American diet, sad, and, and anything's better than that, you could argue. But uh, I, I go back to particularly if someone's having trouble with weight uh, or gut issues, I say, well, you know, where, where are your ancestors from? And if it was from, say, if they're from, say, Iran, well, you know, consider the roughly Mediterranean diet that they were eating and, and watch your, your gut health improve and watch your control over your body composition improve because that's what you were designed for. So absolutely agree with you there. And then, yeah, the common sense part, you know, grandma used to say, Lots of colors on the plate, you know, mm -hmm. eat your veggies, another way to put it. And it, it sparks another memory. I remember, uh, you know, because um, the audience doesn't know, I'm from Coconut Grove, Florida, South Florida. And we had a lot of uh, Jamaican influence there when I was growing up anyway. I'm, I'm 60 now, but I can remember uh, the juice of one lemon, man, every <laughs> morning. And think about that for a second, because you remember like now the big craze is apple cider vinegar every morning. 
Well, mm-hmm. same idea that you're getting that acid in your stomach. It's a mild acid, but it stimulates a lot of things in your body. And, uh, you know, again, just, and, and I would argue even better for you than, than certainly uh, vinegar because you get the vitamin C from a lemon. Uh, but yeah, there's a lot of things that we took for granted that are coming full circle now that make perfect sense. Yeah, even the lemon, lemon in your water, people. I've seen um, health experts talk about that as well. So yeah, you're definitely right, man. You're on point. And I love how you talk to your patients about what their ancestors ate. That is so huge. Because one of the things I specialize in is uh, is is um, gut enzymes and weight management, like me- metabolic flexibility. And that's a huge thing when I can explain to people that the reason why you have certain enzymes is because of what your parents and grandparents ate and what you ate growing up. So you got to take those all those things to cons- into consideration. So thank you so much for bringing that up. Did not tell you everyone, this man is brilliant. And w- with that being said, because this is just, like, this is nothing. This is nothing. He's going to give us more. Tell us about regenerative medicine. It sounds like common sense, but really, what is that? Actually, it is common sense. It is a great way to put it in some respects. It's not a recognized specialty like, you know, internal medicine or cardiology. So you can't pass a test to get to a regenerative medicine um, uh, stipulation. You know, it's, it's not something like that, but it does encompass. And of course, uh, you know, all these different specialties um, are open to interpretation as to how far they cross into maybe another specialty and, and what they include. But regenerative medicine, I would argue, is about common sense, which is what you mentioned earlier. We, we don't just want to live longer. Uh, we want to live healthy and longer. And and I don't know anyone. And I, I was a, a, an accountant, a CPA before I was a a doctor, so presumably I'm I'm honest and conservative. I've never been anybody who said, "Oh yeah, Rand, I'll, I'll trade uh, health for longevity. I want to live 20 years longer, no matter what health I'm in." No, everyone, without exception, has said, you know, even the reverse. Hey, if I can live another year in my utmost health, I'll give up 20 years on the back end, no problem. So to me, that is I don't know if common sense is the right word, but I think that that's a, certainly a consensus that makes a lot of sense. And, and by the way, we call that health span. We want to improve our health span not just lifespan, right? Um, and uh, so so regenerative medicine, I call it a field of optimizing health to that end, right? Uh, returning to the days of when we could work out like we were in our 20s and not, um, you know, be, be in the fetal position on the couch because we haven't been doing it or not prepared for doing it in, in X number of years. To be able to do all those things that, makes life so enjoyable without having to pay the piper in the wrong way, you know, that, that, uh, when you don't take care of yourself, it happens to you. You know, if you're not taking care and you do something, like I say, that's, that's normally good for you. Uh, you go out and you play in the Turkey bowl and you run around in the sand for an hour and a half. You know, some guys that do that can't move for the next week because their muscles are so, uh, you know, hypertonic and, and overexerted and strained. Uh, that's not the way you want to live life, right? You want to be able to do the turkey bowl that day and then that weekend, uh, you know, uh, go out and ride your bike and, 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 and act like nothing else happened. So uh, it might be a silly example, but, you know, that, that's, that's what we're striving for is to get the most out of life, as it were, um, and, and not having to circle the drain as so many of our ancestors have had to either because they made bad choices or we just didn't have these opportunities like we have now in medicine. Absolutely. We do have a lot of opportunities. It's something I boast about 
is my age. Um, I know I'm younger than you, probably by maybe a year or two, because you look like you're in your 30s. But I'm to be. It's it's audio. I can say whatever I want. But it's uh, it's I'm about to be 40 this year. My 40th birthday coming this month. During the podcast coming out 29th of December, and I brag about my age. I brag about my age because I'm strong. I'm fast. I wake up every day wanting to do something active. I feel my I'm around 12% body fat. It's I feel amazing and I perform amazing and I want to keep this going. And I've always said to people, same thing you said. If I had the, cho- the, cho- the choice of living to 100 in diapers or living to 80 and feeling the way I feel now, I'm taking 80. No questions asked, right? Because this is how I want to feel. Now, if I can live to 100 and still feel like this, even better, right? I'm not going to give it up just for the sake of giving it up. But I brag about my age. Even when I'm at the gym and I talk to people, I say, look, if you keep... If you take care of your health and don't just work out, but actually take care of your nutrition, your lifestyle, biohacking, everything else, you can do what I'm doing and maybe even more, right? Because you probably genetically have an advantage over what I had. So, you know, you could even probably even do more. So I I love having these conversations and see people's eyes kind of light up. And when I tell them my age and they kind of take a second look at me and I'm like, yup, that's what I'm talking about. You, we're performing the same. You may outperform me some. I may outperform you some. But if I didn't tell you my age, you wouldn't have known. Now, that's not to brag about myself, even though, yes, I do like to talk about myself. But it's really to show you that, hey, you can do what I'm doing, if not even more. So thank you so much for bringing all that up. And then my question to you then is, well, how do some of the ways that you personally use regenerative medicine to improve health and longevity? Well, just to put a... a, a cap on what you just said you know ray ray kurzweil is you know a famous anti-aging expert and i believe it's he who i'm quoting here uh lived long enough to live forever the idea being that you know the advancements and therefore the expectations are only going to get even better so that you know your your goal of being able to stay feeling as good as you do now at 40 at 80 you know, well, maybe that's going to extend to 120 and, and maybe beyond in, in your lifetime because all the opportunities we have. So, yeah, don't um, don't prejudge and then predispose yourself to, you know, just 80, uh, given what, what we have today. You know, shoot for the stars and, and at least hit the moon because it's only going to improve. Uh, as far as what we can do today, there. <laughs> If I may, I'll go back and and um, and harp on the ancestral business one more time because most of us have heard our parents, grandparents, give us grief about you know uh, eating the right foods, okay, which is indispensable. Now to quickly go off on a tangent to say that there's one way, and we already really kind of address this by saying, well, different ancestries are going to use different diets to their benefit, right, more than others. Uh, But anyone who tells you there's one size fits all run away because that just doesn't work. You know, something's going to work better than others because we're individual um, individuals, but also because we're doing different things. You know, if I lived in the great white north, I'm going to eat differently than if I did in South Florida for for different reasons, et cetera, et cetera. But diet is plays a very big factor. Um, One of the ones that grandma used to talk about, too, is getting enough sleep. These are basics, and yet they tend to be overlooked, and I hope you're right in that we're coming full circle to address these again because of their importance. There's a great book I recommend to everyone, uh, Why We Sleep by Matthew Walker, a PhD we stole from the UK. He's over at Berkeley now, but he's 
uh, culled together in his book a lot of the studies showing the benefits and the detriments to good and bad sleep, respectively. Uh, most people need somewhere between seven and nine hours, unless you have a very rare gene mutation. So again, without going into too much depth, you know, something we overlook regularly to watch one more episode of whatever it is, Dragons and Thrones or whatever those, you know, the latest and greatest is, um, you know, you, you, if, it's, if it's digging into your sleep, you're robbing Peter to pay Paul, okay? Uh, and it's not a good thing. And then lastly, you know, the exercise component. I call exercise the great equalizer because, for example, and the studies bear this out, certainly when it comes to insulin sensitivity, if you don't get enough sleep on a regular basis, and yet you still get your exercise in, you can beat the effect it has on insulin sensitivity. And, and insulin insensitivity or metabolic dysfunction is, is the root of the five major killers in the Western world, you know, include type two diabetes and, and coronary artery disease, et cetera. So that's a huge one for most of us. Now, beyond that, we have so many cool things that we can do with regenerative medicine now with uh, stem cells. And it's important to note that recently, out here in California, uh, a doctor um, uh, who has been championing um, uh, stem cell use and, and I'd say fighting the FDA because there's a, a good part to each side. The FDA is trying to regulate stem cells in a good way so that shysters don't go out and uh, you know misuse them and overpromise and underdeliver, et cetera. Uh, but they've classified them as a drug you go, stem cells, my own stem cells are a drug. Anyway, another physician um, uh, fought them in court and won the case recently, like in the last couple of months, less than. And uh, it was a brilliant, um, they call it a finding, findings of fact and conclusions of law uh, that the judge wrote. And essentially it makes stem cells available to us all again. Um, and that's a great regenerative technique, literally regenerative. I mean, that, that's almost the definition of of regenerative medicine is stem cell use because you can fight the signs and symptoms of degeneration. For example, a, uh, a knee that, uh, you know, whose meniscus has a, what we call a longitudinal tear in it, uh, fairly easily fixable with injections of stem cells because they go to work. Uh, the, the stem cells are like genies in a bottle in that, um, you can make a wish for whatever cell that you want and they'll come through. So if it's a heart cell or a knee meniscus cell, they'll, they'll turn into those and regenerate that tissue. We've also got gene editing now where if someone was born with, let's say not the best cards in their deck, things that narrow their window for opportunities of health span, we can change those genes we can use something called, and there, there are other methods, but most people know CRISPR technology, it's called, where we can replace the, the bad section of gene with a better or best section of gene so that essentially you get a new, new set of cards in, in, in your hand to play with and it can change your life, whether it's to get rid of um, a disease that you've already uh, acquired or the one that you might acquire down the road or even a predisposition, for example, to having, say, prostate cancer or cardiovascular disease or hypertension. So that's another opportunity we have. And you can see how why I'm saying, you know, don't just limit yourself to feeling 40 at 80. You start correcting these things, they all start adding up. And, and remember that aging is really not typically one thing that gets you. It's a confluence of things. 
that add up over time and decrease your quality of life. So, you know, those are just a few things. And there's other things that you can do. There's a lot of do-it-yourself stuff that you can do. You know, exposure to cold and heat, which we used to think of, oh, those, those you know, funny Finnish people that go plunge themselves in the lake. Oh, doesn't that look like a good idea to have a, a party on a weekend? Well, it's not just, you know, a, a good reason to have a picnic. It's actually beneficial to health. And we've got studies now that bear that out. Same thing with, with sauna treatments. These are things that we can do fairly easily, uh, depending upon where you live, of course, but also, you know, what you have access to. Um, uh, a sauna is usually pretty easy to get um, uh, access to and ditto for, for sources of cold. You know, how about six pounds of ice in your bathtub if you don't have your own cryotherapy machine at home for $250,000, right? Uh, so, so we have a lot of things that we can take advantage of. We also have a lot more science behind the supplements that we can take. We have to go back to just the food part, you know. Uh, we have science that now backs up what we've known for a long time. A lot of us, you obviously, have backed this for a while, that you can use food as medicine. I mean, um, gosh, I'm going to screw this up. It was either, I think it was Hippocrates, but it might have been Aristotle who used to make that claim. Um, and now we can bear it out with studies. So I'll stop there because I know I'm rambling here. But I mean, there's so many opportunities to improve your health today that weren't there even 20 years ago. Well, you actually, interestingly enough, tapped into a follow-up question I was thinking about asking, which is the epigenetic piece. Can you got into gene editing, <laughs> right? So I thought that was really interesting. So I'm glad you kind of brought all that brought that home to us. Because a lot of times people hear things like, oh my, that sounds amazing. But you don't realize that the epigenetics plays such a huge role as well. And the percentage may be different based on what study you're looking at, so on and so forth. But that's important. You don't just, you know, edit your genes and think, okay, I'm going to eat whatever I want the rest of my life and I'll be okay and I won't work out. No, it doesn't work that. Epigenetics, like the things that you do is a very important part of that. I think the CDC even has an article on that, right? The other thing I was going to say was... um. I know that was crazy. It was during COVID. I read that article. From this, I can't find it anywhere now, but I remember reading it on the CDC website because I was doing some research from my talk on epigenetics and I, what that I used one of their articles. So I thought that was uh, pretty interesting that they have a, an, an article on that. But well, I was going to say. Because, yeah, it's not just the cards you you are dealt or in the case of gene editing, redealt but how you play them and the epigenetics really comes down to how you play them because you can methylate that DNA um, that you're, you're dealt and that you're playing with. And depending upon which genes get turned on or off by, you know, this effect, the methylation uh, that can affect the way your body works in a huge way. So yeah, it's not as simple as, I, I really, what we were kind of taught when, when they oversimplified it and talked about genes and their effect, um, you know, we have the epigenome, uh, you know, that goes beyond the genome. We have all kinds of ohms now, right? The proteinome, the, the metabolome, and, and these, these uh, ways of looking at things that are more cross-functional in the sense that, you know, we can see how everything affects everything else. And yeah, epigenetics is huge. Certainly, uh, Gene editing can take us back in time a bit, but as of right now, I would argue, even after gene editing takes place, for the most part, with a few exceptions, the focus on epigenome is so much more important than the genome itself, right? I mean, if you've got a, a, a gene that's going to kill you, uh, uh, you know, Huntington's Korea, I mentioned earlier, you know, by the time you're in your mid-30s, well, obviously, 
that needs to be fixed. But if you just have a genome uh, that predisposes you to, for example, uh, and it's usually not just one gene we know, by the way, but uh, let's say there's several genes that predispose you to coronary artery disease. Well, we can take over the, 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 the vortex, right? And, and, and skew it more toward good health and away from coronary artery disease by the way we lead our lives daily and therefore affect the epigenome, the expression of those genes. So it's, 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 it's a great thing to have that much control. It is right, right. So with gene editing, kind of give my audience more like a clearer picture of it. With stem cells, we've heard about that, even though it's still kind of in its infancy. But let's say someone has predisposed to, let's say, coronary heart disease, right? What does gene editing? What would the gene editing look like for for that person? Well, because coronary artery disease is multifactorial, meaning you know uh, the predisposition to to inflammation occurring in the arteries. Uh, there's an immune uh, factor that's involved there. There's a production of cholesterol and certain components related to cholesterol, um, apo uh, a you know LP little a, uh, the amount of uh, uh, particles of LDL. Um, I mean, we go on and on, and there's a genetic component that affects those. You know, and, and we know about that already in mainstream because we know that, for example, sometimes statins work better for certain groups than others based upon the genetics. Um, but I'm going a little far afield here. The um, uh, to 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 change those genes that predispose you one way or the other can obviously change the way uh, you know you you can approach these potentials for disease. And you can actually reverse in a lot of cases, at least the soft and the fibrous uh, plaque buildup in the coronary arteries, uh, depending upon, you know, again, your genes themselves. And of course, to your question, we can alter those genes or how we treat your genes with certain drugs. And that, that's one of the really uh, great things about the medical future that people tend to ignore is that not only can we change our own genome on an individual basis, right? To fix something that we uh, decide needs to be fixed. But we can now use uh, gene editing to alter cells so we could effectively grow liver tissue, okay? And test certain drugs well in advance of human trials. Are you with me? So that we get a huge advantage with using gene editing, not treating individuals per se, but teeing up drug testing by creating tissue with certain genes in it that, you know, okay, this, we use this gene, which seems to be the one that's apparent in all the cases where this drug doesn't work. Let's, let's make a bunch of this tissue and try a whole bunch of other drugs. Right. I mean, that, that's fantastic in terms of advancing medicine. That's huge. Yeah, that's huge because you're really a narrow. You're narrowing it down at that point because yeah, we can run. We most of our studies are done around rodents now and mice and stuff like that. And last time I checked, I'm not master splinter, so I don't. You know, so and and we do the best that we can, right? But science is advancing, and what you're talking about right now is is revolutionary, in my opinion, because this is new new information to me. I don't work in the medical field, so this is new information to me, and I think you're narrowing down look at because you're looking at certain particular set of genes that someone may have 
and how you can treat them. And you can say, you know what? I tested this on this person and they had the same issue or on or in the lab, I tested it. They had the same issue, the same gene disposition, and this is what happened. And that gives you a better success rate, in my opinion. Um, I'm going to say yeah. one thing, though, that, you know, I don't mind getting experimented on because that's how you get superpowers. But, but, but that's just because I'm a crazy person. <laughs> Well, and, and you make a great point that I left out. You know, we're not rats, we're not mice, and without going too far into it, you know, the the, the mice and even the rats we use, they're not wild, and there's difficulties with using wild animals, but they're bred. I mean, the Worcester rat, for example, is typically obese and you know, if not diabetic already, borderline. Uh, these are these are creatures that don't in any way represent mainstream, or at least in some cases, unfortunately, they do represent mainstream if we're talking about, you know, metabolic dysfunction uh, um, predisposition. But, um, you know, it, it certainly is not normal or healthy. And so you may see some reactions to certain drugs or certain treatments and testing that aren't going to translate into humans at all, not just because they're mice, but because they're not representative of healthy anything. And so again, it makes the the what I was talking about earlier about being able to design a human liver that has this genetic predisposition versus this one um, as a much faster and more efficient way of testing these drugs. I would say though that I just came back from New York, and if anything, you may want to use some of those rats because they basically are as big as humans. <laughs> <laughs> I saw it on the news once. I was like, "What in the, those those?" You could probably kill them and eat them. Like, they're huge. I mean, I don't eat rats, but you get my point. Like they're huge. I'm like, I think I felt a rat like touch me on my shoulder or something that one day when I was there. Like it was ridiculous. Yeah. But anyway, we we got to go. New York City. That's pretty good, right? I know, right? They say that rats are gonna or uh, big rats like those should be in Miami at some point. Somebody says that. I don't know. People just say all kinds of crazy things. I I don't live in Miami anyway. And if they do come to Miami, well, God help them. But with that being said, let's move on to the hack of the episode. And of course, my audience know, before I get to the hack of the episode, I have to quickly talk about the Amino Co. See, their products are 100% science-backed, built on amino acid technology, first funded by NASA and further refined through rigorous research and independent clinical trials. They have determined the precise blends of amino acids to help you, check this out, become stronger, heal faster, reduce age-related declines, and improve your overall metabolic health, all the things that I talk about all the time. See, today, I'm going to talk about Perform. It's an essential amino acid-based formulation designed to improve muscle performance during exercise, enhance mental clarity and concentration, reduce fatigue and dehydration, and minimize recovery times. Now, someone like myself who train practically every day, it's a very important part of my routine. See, Perform is designed to boost athletic performance by increasing peak physical strength and endurance while also improving focus and concentration. The ingredients in Perform have been clinically proven to improve strength and physical performance. Check out these trials. I love them. 20% increase in exercise completed. 22% increase in endurance, 11% increase in peak power during exercise, and 10% improvement 
in cognitive function doing exercise. Now we know the importance of essential aminos. I haven't even taken branch chain aminos in forever. I've been taking essential aminos for a while. And these essential aminos from, from, uh, from Minoco, and also they have Heal, which is another one that I love, with the combination of the uh, creatine and uh, in some cases, whey protein concentrate, the, the, the blend gives you exactly what you need at the exact time so you can perform well, could have a formulation for performance and endurance, which is perform, and so you can heal well. And again, those are important parts of my routine. So of course, go to their website. It's aminoco.com slash Zico Health. And my code Zico Health gives you 30% off. And of course, the link will be in the show notes and the description of the episode. And with that being said, we're back with Dr. Ram McLean, and we're here for the hack of the episode. What are some things that we can do to not just live longer, but live better? Well, we touched on some of the, the linchpins in regenerative medicine, just general health, right? You know, the, the sleeping right, eating right, training right, so to speak. Uh, some of the extras, you know, we also touched upon uh, heat and cold therapies. Um, you know, for, for most people, you, you were just talking about supplements, right? Using the aminos. Uh, there are all kinds of supplements that can help uh, depending upon your goal. And this is what's tough for me to answer a question like this, because I always turn it back on the patient. I say, well, what, what are you looking to do? Because I can go on and on about, you know, things that we know are good for you. And of course, the problem with that is you can look at any supplement label and, and say, well, I should be taking that. I should be taking that. And you'd have more supplements that you could eat food. Uh, so I try and tailor it to what we're searching for, but just let's say pick exercise. One supplement that because uh, you just mentioned perform one supplement that you could add to those aminos is something called beta alanine, which I argue should be banned by WADA. You know, if they're going to ban a lot of these other substances, because it definitely gives you more time to exhaustion. Um, it buffers acid that builds up in the cell when you go into, um, and it's not always cut and dry. This is another fallacy, but you know, go from aerobic to anaerobic isn't like it's a switch. It just becomes gradually more anaerobic. But the, the upshot of that is you're creating more lactic acid, right? When you're using lactate and um, that acidity kind of gums up the works, if you will, in the cell so that the lower pH makes it so that the cell eventually becomes dysfunctional. And that's where you just can't do another rep. And, and to use beta alanine, um, most of the studies show it helps with shorter term bursts, but I would argue, particularly if you're sort of on that line between anaerobic and aerobic, that even for endurance work, it can give you the difference between, you know, making it to the podium and not even making it on the team. So beta alanine, roughly three or four grams a day is a nice little trick. And beta alanine uh, ends up breaking off into uh, histidine. And that what gives you, that's what gives you kind of a, a tingly feeling sometimes, but also uh, L-carnosine, not carnitine with a T, but carnosine with an S. And that's, just to make it general, that's a very um, wonderful anti-aging supplement that I, I would say, uh, you know, the, the Chinese have a concept of supreme herbs, not used to treat anything per se, but something that anyone could take uh, on a daily basis and it would only improve your well-being. Beta-alanine and the resulting effects, and particularly of not just the buffering, but also L-carnosine's presence, is a great tool for longevity. The other one, since we're talking about sport, is L-carnitine with a T. Uh, 
that's a nice one to add to your regimen and again can make the difference between making the podium and not even making a team a 20 percent uh, additional increase in um, uh, uh, time to exhaustion there's a lot of su studies supporting that and that's another easy one to add to your regimen these are just two supplements i mentioned um, you know a lot of these things can be done since we're talking about nutrition intravenously which changes the character a bit in that when you introduce something into the blood uh, at such a high concentration it's because it skips the gi tract it works differently in the cell a lot of it might be accumulated more so in the liver for example uh, a lot of it might just be forced through the cell uh, and so you get more for you know more bang for your buck more juice to the squeeze so to speak if you do your b vitamin say intravenously rather than uh, you know, by mouth. Uh, so there's all kinds of um, IV nutrition uh, um, formulas, I'll call them, that we can use depending upon what you're trying to accentuate to help us. And um, just that simple trick, for example, not only to promote good health, but, um, you know, to stave off some things that keep you in good health, you know, uh, metabolic dysfunction, uh, certainly you can use it, uh, go so far as to use certain IV nutrition tricks like high dose vitamin C to help in, to help in treating cancers. Um, so, I mean, those are just a few, I mean, I could go on and on. What, uh, is, is there any area you would like me to focus on in terms of improving, uh, our, our health span? Well, those that you listed, I, th I, I like those actually, because I don't think my audience have actually really heard of them and we, we know of them but not broken down the way that you have broken them down so i think that's absolutely great and i love the fact that you because you you and i think the same way we focus on doing what we can first so the epigenetic piece that we talk about like taking care of our health or sleep you know right nutrition performance training everything that we should do in addition to that and the the way you supplement is a part of that epigenetic piece right but the key word to that is supplement and that's something we really have to understand. I had uh, someone I know had a heart attack the other day and uh, went and visited them. I talked to them about their nutrition. And one of the issues is this person is not vegetarian, but they don't like meat. What it really comes down to is this person is protein deficient, right? And so I'll tell them about how they eat, what they should eat. And they immediately said to me, um, well, you know, I, I just rather supplement. And I said, yeah, you supplement, but supplement is adding to something that you should already be doing correctly right? Now, I'm not directly connecting protein to the heart attack. That's not what I'm doing. I'm not a doctor. But as far as the overall lifestyle, some things they need to change, that's something I wanted to add into it because I'm talking about a, a grown man who gets about 50 grams of protein a day, right? If that, right? Which is what I get in like a meal. So, so you know, so I love the fact you add that in because that's an important part of the epigenetic piece. Anything that I recommend, even the promotions that I do and things that I talk about, things that I are products that I use personally and I love them, and I've studied them. I've had many clients that use them, but it's all in addition to having the correct protocol in the first place. So Hence thank you so much pain, for that. Right? Supplements. Exactly. It's, it's adding to it's supplementing. Yeah. Exactly. And with that being said, let, tell my audience whatever you want to tell them at this point. Just tell them about how they can get in contact with you, whatever you like to give us on our way out here. Well, I'd be remiss if I didn't add, you know, some of the other factors that have to do with improving health span are uh, the proactive prevention measures. For example, screening tools we have available now, because part of living longer, living better are 
nipping some of these things that can can overtake you with age. And we forget age is the biggest risk factor for pretty much any disease that's not inherited from the beginning, you know, where you're going to end up uh, dying because of, I keep mentioning Huntington's career because it's, it's a great example. But, um, uh, you know, screening for things that tend to appear later in life, say, you know, at 50 for colon cancer, which there's almost no excuse for dying of, of colon cancer now. If you get it early enough, we have so many treatments. I want to say it's 97% curable if you get it early enough. And ditto for things like prostate cancer um, and, and uh, coronary artery disease screening. There, and, and the screening isn't something where, you know, you, you've got to traipse to the jungle for 90 days and, and forage for food or something like that. It's something that, you know, it, you know colonoscopy, I joke, it's, it's, a, it's a cocktail and a power nap. And you wake up and they tell you if your colon's in good shape or not. The hardest part of that is actually the prep where you have to drink something that makes you go to the bathroom a lot the day before uh, a mammogram for a female. Okay. It's a little uncomfortable, maybe more than a little uncomfortable, but it's a few minutes and then you can check for breast cancer, which again, if treated early can help you, you know, uh, not suffer and, and actually enjoy a, a very healthy life and a long life. Um, uh, prostate cancer, uh, breast cancer, um, coronary artery disease. Oh, prostate cancer. I skipped over. Sorry just trying to run through them in my head. Prostate cancer is something that currently we use something called a, a DRE, a digital rectal exam, where, you know, uh, without getting too graphic, you know, the end of a fingertip is used to determine something about the size of a walnut's um, tissue health, we'll call it. Well, it's not very, I mean, you can just imagine that. And any athlete will tell you, of course, you know, 10,000 swings at a baseball with a baseball bat, uh, is how long or how many uh, swings it takes before you're considered, you know, uh, even a, a chance of being masterful at it. And I don't think that happens with most proctologists is part of my point. But also, it, it's not like hitting a baseball. It's a lot harder. So we have something called a multi-parametric MRI, which is a form of imaging that can see a lesion as small as, uh, you know, three millimeters. And so, again, my point in all this is screening tools, not sticking your head in the sand, uh, which was easier to do when you said, well, I can't do anything about it anyway. So why do I want to hear the bad news? Well, because now we can do stuff about it and you want to find out sooner rather than later. So you can, if unfortunately you do come down with something like this, you can treat it and be done with it and move on with a, a, a healthy life, a healthy long life, which is what we're after. Right. I, I, I love that. And you know what? You're right. Because oftentimes what we do find out is after something has happened that forces us to go find out. Like I said, my my friend who had the heart attack, well, he learned certain things that, you know, he wouldn't have known if he didn't have a heart attack, what was actually going on with him because he didn't get it tested, right? And then also the, the feeling part, anecdotal piece I'm talking about, because a lot of times we're not in tune with our bodies and we don't know something is wrong until something happens. Versus if you feel great all the time and, and after a while you stop feeling that good, you're that in tune with your body, you can start, you can oftentimes catch things, not all the time, but oftentimes catch things before something bad happens because you're feeling off. You don't feel like yourself. You're not performing the same way. You're not sleeping the same way. You start gaining a little weight. You're struggling with certain things. Your gut may be unhealthy and so on and so forth, right? So think about like as a new car. When a new car starts driving a little different, you can kind of tell, okay, it's not running the same. It's running okay, but the car is a little bit off. Right. And it's the same thing with the human body. You can kind of tell something's a little off. And with that being said, tell my audience how I can get in touch with you and learn more about your work. Well, we have a website up, 
at uh, let's see dub 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 uh, PSR Med Papa Sierra uh, Romeo uh, Michael Echo Delta dot com and um, our office phone is three one zero four five two three two zero six. Those are the two best best ways to to get a hold of us. Uh, you can communicate through the website or or via phone and. I hope that the the website represents us well enough so you can get a feel for what we do and and uh, not just what we do, but what's available to the public in general out there, whether we do it or not, in terms of, you know, as we're trying to to, to convey here, you know, perpetuating health span. Love it. Absolutely. Thank you so much for being here. You're definitely going to be back on the show next year as we learn more because you, you you're you're the kind of doctor. I brought some brilliant people onto the show and you're definitely one of the more brilliant people I bring on to this show. And I definitely want you to work in the future. Everybody knows my Instagram's eco health. I'm going to post um, videos and from, 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 from our conversation and some collaborations as well, because look at th this is why I have this show is to present brilliant individuals like yourself, who is teaching us not ways that we can actually not live longer and live better at the same time. So thank you, Dr. McLean, for being here and enjoy the rest of your day. Oh, and by the way, his, his contact information will be in the show notes. I'll be remiss if I, if I didn't say that. So his contact information, including the website and phone numbers, will be in the show notes. And of course, the show notes will be in the description of the episode. And with that being said, now I'm out of here for the day. Well, thank you for having me and thank you for your kind words, Zico. Thank you, my friend. Thanks for joining the Matter Over Mind experience. If you got good content out of this or any of my shows, save, subscribe, and share it with anyone who needs this information. Remember, always take the scenic route and enjoy the ride.